CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got a big show lined up for you. Here's what we've got on deck. Breakouts and backhoes. Whatever you want to call it. Carter Worth is cracking open his copy of the Farmer's Almanac to explain why there could soon be a bountiful harvest for deer. Then, hmm, it's not the one that supplies food or the one that sings about underwear. Oh, it's the tech giant, Cisco. And there's a lot of potential here. Tony Zhang is networking together a way to play ahead of earnings. Plus... The original story of Alibaba is one of both greed and redemption. Right now, the same could be said about the Internet stock. This is an interesting situation. Mike Coe explains how to avoid the thieves. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it. It's been a wild ride for the market since the March bottom, but it's the commodities that have really taken off. Gold and silver seeing big gains as some investors fly to safety, while crude and copper are also popping in hopes of higher demand. But that group is not the only game in town. Could now be the time to take a harder look at the soft commodities. Carter Worth is digging into a unique way to play. So, Carter, what are you looking at? Well, it's really true. It's been very dynamic, obviously, for precious metals. But think uh, crude went negative negative almost $40 a barrel, then bounce back. And we know other industrial commodities like copper, as you said, are, are in play if indeed there's a recovery. But the softs, now the grains are a little bit weak. That would be, of course, soybeans, corn, wheat. But other softs, sugar's been quite strong, uh, cocoa, uh, coffee. And anyway, we're going to look at a few charts and try to figure out what might be in store for John Deere. So the first chart, this is a broad uh, commodity soft index, and what you see here is that it's a disaster. I mean, essentially, down to the right, an unmitigated mess, and yet uh, you can see ever so slightly we've just broken above the established downtrend line in effect for essentially uh, five, seven years. Now look at the second chart. Uh, This is a two-panel. The top panel is what we just looked at. It's the softs index, but on the bottom, is the relative performance of the soft commodities to all commodities, the bottom panel relative to a broad basket of commodities, industrial metals, precious metals, oil and gas, and so forth. And so what we do know is even as the softs were continuing to make new absolute lows as a basket, their relative performance has been basically improving versus all commodities for the better part of a year. And the the word developmental is what comes to mind. So now the third slide, it's just a a table, but I would point out that we've heard from uh, major agricultural stocks and their earnings have been very good. So this is simply just a stacking order of the past two months' performance. Look at Mosaic, a big chemical company, up 32%. You see Agco, also a related business, up 26%. You see CF, up 18%. Food Machinery Corp, that's FMC, an old famous name, up 14.5%. And then there's the S&P up 11, meaning these stocks are actually outperforming even though uh, commodities have uh, for a long time been under pressure. So then two charts to end it, the first of two. This is a chart of uh, food machinery, FMC, and you can see the well-defined tops of the past year, and the stock is just now breaking out. 
Indeed, they reported earnings this past week, and just as was the case with all the others, the numbers were very good. The final chart, John Deere. It's the exact, exact same setup. It's what's known as a conventional MyJuncture, convention meaning generally agreed upon, something that everyone knows and agrees to. Everyone knows what a breakout is. Do they always work? Of course not. But this is the setup that we look for, and then we look for the catalyst. We know we have earnings coming up in the next two weeks. John Deere here closed out at 183.50, and I think this is going to 200. Hmm. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so Deere is an interesting case, right? So when the pandemic broke out and a lot of stocks got hit, this is one that saw a lot of analyst downgrades. They basically lowered their earnings estimates considerably. Consequently, right now, Deere's trading at about 22 times forward earnings estimates, which is above its own historical average by about 10 to 15 percent. But here are some other fundamental things to think about. The tractor fleet, we often talk about car fleets, but the tractor fleet is aging. Rates are relatively low. And if you start to see a bid for commodity prices, that's usually supportive of tractor purchases in the ag space. And also, by the way, the reason we're looking at Deere and not a name like Cat is because they have bigger exposure to agriculture. So when you start putting all of those things together, combine that with the fact that they just recently reinstituted guidance and April tractor sales were slightly better than people had anticipated, perhaps the analysts are actually trailing us. And that actually is borne out by the fact that the average analyst price target for this thing is 170. And as Carter just pointed out, it closed above 183 today. Right now, the options market is implying just under a 5% move when they report earnings, which they're going to be doing on August 21st. I think what we want to do is try to sell that elevated options premium. And because we're at this juncture, we think it could, it's poised to break out. But, of course, the markets are trading very close to all-time highs here. What I'm going to do is buy the September 185 calls. When I was looking at those earlier today, those were about $6.75. Sell the August 195 calls against it for $1.10. Net-net, I'm spending $5.65. That's a little over 3% of the current stock price. The idea is to collect some of the decay in the near-dated options. And, of course... If after earnings, which is actually going to take place on that same day that those August options expire, if it does not go above that 195 price, we have an opportunity to roll into a vertical spread as well. So we're trying to capitalize on the elevated options premium. We're trying not to reach out and buy stocks that are trading close to their all-time highs. But I think the technical setup and the fundamental setup basically support a trade like this one. What do you think, Tony? Uh, I quite like this particular setup. You know, John Deere is a name that's not on every investor's radar, especially because it doesn't dominate like the tech headlines. And it trades at what I think is a fairly reasonable valuation. But what I like most about it is really the recent relative strength that we've seen on this stock as it broke out above that 180 level onto 183. And Mike's trade structure, the diagonal, I think makes a lot of sense going into that earnings announcement. And normally with a stock like John Deere, as he said, the implied move is only about 5%. I would get a a little bit more aggressive and sell maybe the 190 calls but the fact that you have this really strong relative strength and the fact that you have earnings coming up on on this new breakout i do like and i think mike's trade uh you know adjustment up to that 195 strike a little bit more conservative is very smart what do you think of tony's more aggressive approach mike yeah well i mean it's aggressive in one sense which is that you're trying to collect more premium but it's less aggressive in another which is that that obviously would be basically not giving room to the upside. And I think Carter's price target's probably closer to 200, usually up 7 to 10% or so. And, of course, because this does involve some element of a vertical, it's a diagonal in this case, but obviously you don't want to have a situation where it blows through your short strike. That's a situation where you got the trade direction right but the trade structure wrong. And I do want to give myself a little bit more upside than selling the 190s would provide me. Carter, last thoughts on this? 
Well, again, I think Tony also touched on something. No one's looking at it. Now, that's not to say, obviously, there aren't major shareholders in John Deere, but it's, it's not in the Robin Hood radar, so to speak, and that's what's interesting. All right. Well, the earnings train keeps on trucking next week with some big tech names also in deck to report. Or Tony Zhang says there is one stock that could surge higher on results. So, Tony, what are you looking at? I'm looking at Cisco because just like John Deere, it's one of those names in the tech community that's not on, the, on most investors' radars because it's not one of the FANG names. And, but Cisco is the backbone of the internet hardware business, and it currently trades at a very reasonable valuation, just like John Deere. And it's recently made some, made, uh, some strategic in, uh, acquisitions here in the cloud um, security business, and I think that 2020 is going to be a turnaround year here for Cisco, especially after underperforming so strongly over the last year. Now, if you look at the chart here, it's not particularly interesting. It's actually had some pretty poor relative strength here over the past year. But as you can see, it's recently traded itself into a bit of a wedge here and moving averages starting to move higher here. I think the earnings catalyst here next week is what takes Cisco to break out above this $48 level that it's currently trading just below. Now, if you couple that with the strong estimate revisions that we're currently seeing going into the earnings announcement, that's really what I'm tr typically looking for for a potential beat here. Now, the options market are implying only about a 5.8% move, while on average over the last four quarters, it's moved about 7.4%. So market's not expecting a big move here, but I am looking for that breakout here on that earnings catalyst. So I'm using a trade structure here that's specifically designed to capture a potential breakout, but do so in a way with a small amount of risk. And I'm using a call spread here. So the trade I'm looking to do is to use a September 47.5, 52.5 call spread, paying about $1.85 for that 47.5 call, collecting about $0.35 cents on that 52.5 call. So I'm paying about $1.50 here for this call spread, a $5 wide credit spread. On Cisco stock, that's about 3% of the underlying stock price. And the key here is to risk a small amount of money as possible in relation to the stock price. <clears throat> Mike, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, so we often talk about the implied move around earnings. How much does a stock move the day after they report or the week that they report? Of course, in Tony's case, what he's doing here is he's using a call spread that expires in September. So a more relevant metric for us to think about might be how much Cisco moves in the month following their earnings report. And in that case, they actually move quite a lot on average, about 9%. And I think that's the thing to think about here. Whether you think the stock is going higher or lower, if the average move the month after they report earnings is close to 9%, and you can make a directional bet that's going to capture most of that move for about 3% of the stock price, mm. even if it's a coin toss, that means that the options math is kind of working for you here. So I think what he's doing is he's taking advantage of the setup that the options market is providing. I'll leave it to others to decide whether the technical setup is the right one. But in terms of going into earnings and giving yourself enough time for your trade to play out, I think the options trade is the right one. Uh, others, meaning Carter Worth, I would imagine, on the technical take. So uh, well, go ahead, Carter. Well, we, we exactly. We heard uh, Antonio characterized as being sort of not that interesting. And that is the technical setup, meaning sometimes stocks are where they belong. They don't have to always be moving up or down. Sometimes they're at a moment of equilibrium where buyers and sellers are matched off. And it's news earnings or something like that that resolves the standoff. So this is a case of equilibrium. No one has the ball. But what is interesting, of course, is that the analyst community basically doesn't like it. You're talking about a price target 12 months forward of the 30 analysts that cover that's only $2 higher. 
Right. right. The stock closed at 47.50, and they're looking at 49.50 for the next 12 months. That's pretty uninspiring. And then there's this: of the 30, basically 15 are buys, and 15 are hold or sell. Now remember, on Wall Street, a hold is wink, wink, euphemism for sell because only 5% of all stocks are ever given a sell rating because analysts don't want to offend the company and lose access. So if you've got 15 they're saying buy and 15 they're saying hold sell, uh, with a price target that's only $2 higher, no one really likes it. And that, prospectively, is the opportunity. <laughs> Tony, last word on this. Um, well, I quite like Cisco here because of the fact that um, you know they, they've recently made these acquisitions in the cloud securities business, and that is really one segment of the business that is growing very strongly, and that is the one that I really like about the turnaround story here for 2020. All right. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, open says a mic. Professor Koh will light your way through the dark cave that is trading in Alibaba right now. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out the slate of uh, Chinese Internet names getting hammered today. This after President Trump issued an executive order aiming to shut down popular apps like TikTok and WeChat. Despite today's losses, many of these names are still among the year's big winners in tech, including Alibaba. The stock is up nearly 20 percent. Mike has got a way you can get paid to play for even more upside when it reports results later this month. Here he is with his call to action. Mike. Yeah, so Baba is one of these interesting cases that you just pointed out. I mean, obviously today wasn't a, a great day for the stock, but it is not trading very far off of its all-time highs. This is a stock that is trading about 10% higher than its January highs, in fact. And right now, going into earnings, perhaps unsurprisingly, options premiums are slightly elevated. And, you know, one thing I would point out, we were talking about Deere, the analyst getting caught a little bit off sides there, maybe in Cisco, it's sort of evenly matched between the bulls and the bears. That's not the case for Baba. This is a stock where the street is overwhelmingly bullish. And, of course, this is one of those reasons why, if you happen to own the stock, you might be thinking going into earnings, am I really well positioned here? Is there another way I could play it that might have at least a little bit less downside if the earnings are disappointing and still give me some of the upside? I think there is a way we can play this. I was taking a look out to September, and specifically I was looking at the 235, 260, 285 call spread risk reversal. So what's going on here? We're buying the September 260 calls, selling the 285 calls, and then selling the 235 puts. When I was looking at that earlier today, you'd collect about a dollar in premium to do that. And what's going to happen here is that if the stock happens to rally through that lower strike, then obviously we get upside from 260 up to 285. And because we're collecting that dollar, in fact, the total profits that we could get would be about $26, a little over 10% of the current stock price. To the downside, if the stock is put to us at that 235 strike, we're going to own it at 234. That is right about those highs that we saw back in January. So effectively, it would be as if the year hadn't happened in that situation. Here's the thing to think about. 
how much could the stock move between when they report earnings and that September expiration, or what happens if it doesn't move at all? Well, if it doesn't move at all, what's going to happen is those 235 puts and the 285 calls are going to decay more than the call that you own. So actually, on a standalone basis, you might actually collect more than a dollar if the stock basically treads sideways. So this is a situation where you still get to have some of the upside. You have less downside risk if the earnings are disappointing. And if the stock just basically stays put, you're going to collect a little bit of premium. And I mean a little because the stock is about $250. So if you're collecting $2 net uh, when you close this position out, if the stock goes sideways, about 1% of the stock price. So it's not a huge amount. But of course, over the course of one month, it's not bad either. Tony, what do you think about BABA? So I like the stock a lot because it's very similar to Amazon from a business model perspective, with the exception of the fact that their cloud business is less than 10% of total revenues, but it is growing very fast. And their revenue growth numbers are absolutely off the charts. So I like the stock itself. And I think Mike has a very creative trade structure to play for upside with actually a break-even price that's actually lower than the current price. My only concern is really the geopolitical risk that we're currently in between U.S. and China and what that and the impact that it has on stocks like Alibaba as we saw today, where it's down about 5-6% intraday. So the trade structure I like, but the only part that I'm concerned about is selling that 235 put. I'd prefer to just buy the 260-285 call spread that Mike suggested, which cost about 8 bucks. That's only about 3% of the underlying stock price. As bullish as, as I think Mike and I are on the stock, I'd like to take this bullish bet with risking only about 3% of the underlying stock price and not take the downside risk of geopolitical risks. Mike, your, your take on Tony's suggestion before we get Carter's take on the stock? Yeah, so I, I think, first of all, for people who don't own the stock already, uh, that's actually probably a pretty good way to play it. I'm really thinking about this more for those that already do own the stock, thinking about an alternative to that long stock position going into earnings. And if that's the case, this does reduce your risk. Does it risk, reduce that risk considerably? No, it reduce, reduces that risk somewhat modestly, but that might be all that's required. You know, I took a look at how the stock has behaved out of earnings, and let's ignore that geopolitical risk for a second. And, you know, if you take a look at trade structures like this over the course of the reported earnings, probably outperforms a long-only equity position, you know, by about 10 or 15 percent over the entire course of the history there. So, you know, it's not selling that put obviously reduces your risk, but it also means something has to happen. Whereas if you sell the put, you collect some premium. If nothing happens, you're going to end up working out all right. So really, this is more a judgment for each individual trader to decide how much risk they're willing to take. Yeah. Carter. Well, I mean, I think it gets down to this. There's, there's two types of weakness, right? And today was weak. Weakness to take advantage of and weakness to stay away from. And so if you have a stock that's an unrelenting downtrend, $70, $40, $30, and it has a horrible day down 6 7 10%, that's weakness to stay away from. By comparison, this is a strong stock that is down on news, and frankly, 6% is not a lot. If I think the news were really trouble, it would be down 16 or more, that kind of thing. And so I think it goes in the category of weakness to take advantage of, um, and I'm a buyer of BABA. All right. Up next, shares of Disney feeling the magic after its earnings results this week. We'll tell you what that means for one trader's bet on the House of Mouse. Plus, we're taking your tweets, so send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We are back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Tony said Disney would need to pull a rabbit out of its hat to avoid an earnings disappointment. 
We know there's going to be a significant decline from theme park revenue. We know that the media and studio division is going to be relatively soft. And then you have the Disney Plus side, which we know is the only part of this business that is growing. But the numbers for Q2 hasn't looked particularly attractive here. I'm going out to August, a very relatively short dated option, and I'm buying the 115-105 put vertical here, paying about $3.85 for the August 115 puts and collecting about $0.95 cents for the August 105 puts. As it turns out, Disney had just enough magic left in it to surprise the upside. So, Tony, what do you do now? Yeah, so this trade didn't work out. Obviously, we cut losses as we put out the tweet here on Wednesday. But the most important thing to remember is as an investor, you're always going to have trades that don't work out. And this is a trade that we use where a trade structure that only risks 2.5% of the underlying stock price to take uh, in terms of risk on this particular trade. So this is a prime example of how you can utilize options to keep your risk small and keep your losses small when trades don't work out. All right. Also last week, Mike said Uber shares might hit the brakes after earnings. One of the things you want to take a look at going into a catalyst such as earnings when you see that are ways that you can capitalize on the elevated options premium and take a neutral to bearish view. I was looking at selling a call spread, specifically the August 30 and a half, 31 and a half call spread. I could collect about 40 cents, 40 percent of the distance between the strikes to sell that call spread going into earnings. But they did, and the stock surged into the print. So that means that this trade is still just sitting outside the green. So, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we got the thesis on earnings correct, but, of course, the stock rallied about 10% going into the print. The thing is, it, it seemed to trade very poorly today. I usually don't like to cover a situation like this until about three days afterwards. So, at, you know, we're going to close this trade at the end of Tuesday, win or lose. But right now, you're synthetically long that 31.5, put spread for a quarter. And that's a position I don't really mind. So I think the position is probably okay for the next two days, but we'll probably close it Tuesday afternoon or, or Wednesday morning. Quick take on Uber, Carter. Well, it's just not a very good chart pattern. And, and so the premise remains, uh, why be long? And then that leaves us with do nothing or stick with a short. All right. Up next, the final call. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxton Worth. John Deere, an American icon, buying ahead of earnings. The chart is excellent. We're going long. Tony Zhang. Cisco Networks going to break higher here on earnings, buying a call vertical. Michael Coe. I like diagonals going into Deere earnings following Carter's technical setup. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. Of course, we'll be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time to talk more options. And Fast Money, of course, will be back Monday, 5 p.m., Meantime, don't go anywhere. Very special program, Summer School, back in session. That's up next.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.